Well, good morning, CityGates. My name is Toby, and uh, it's great to be with you. I'm going to be uh, preaching uh, these next few minutes. Uh, it's, the teaching is going to be out of Acts chapter 8, so if you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever, you can fire that up. Acts chapter 8, we're going to read from uh, verse 1 to verse 4, really a short section. But by way of introduction, I want to tell you about my uh, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother who's who's now passed away. But uh, my grandma, my mom's mom, she um, had 10 children. I think she had a, a few miscarriages along the way too, So, uh, which tells you that I, I have a lot of cousins. Um, she didn't speak any English, uh, but uh, in the uh, 80s, she came over to Canada to help take care of myself and my siblings. And as other uh, uncles and aunts immigrated over, uh, she kind of moved from house to house, from family to family, raising her grandchildren. And she uh, was a laugher. She just laughed all the time. It was infectious. I remember I used to find um, on the Discovery Channel, she liked to watch the, the, I think the crocodile hunter or the crocodile man or the Australian guy who loved to like tackle crocodiles and she, you know, she would just love uh, watching him. And I remember one uh, year I was actually, um, I, I went back to Hong Kong with her. I was about 11 turning 12 and somehow convinced my parents that I would be the right person to be her translator and guide. And, and so the two of us uh, traveled and flew back uh, to Hong Kong at one point. And I remember during those years, um, her telling me and learning about actually her ex experience during World War II, which, uh, you know, for, for so long, World War II was just like this event, uh, a historical event. But hearing her stories, uh, you know, her experience in Hong Kong and as uh, the events around that really connected me in a way that I had not expected. It is a piece of uh, f now my memory and part of my family history, so to speak. And I, and I tell you that because as we read uh, in from Acts chapter 8, we're doing some family history stuff. Uh, this, the Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. The first four books, of course, are devoted to the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But then the fifth book, Acts, actually kind of propels us into the life of the church and what Jesus, you know, as Jesus ascends, what happens to these disciples, what happens uh, to these followers. And, and this is really our family history as we look back. So we're going to be reading from chapter 8 from chapters 6 uh, to 9 and then beyond, it, it really interestingly, it shifts actually away from the disciples, as important as they are, it shifts away from the disciples and actually to another group of believers. Uh, and one such leader is Stephen. He is a Greek-speaking uh, Jew who, who follows, who converts, who follows Jesus. He is appointed a leader. And in chapter 7, he actually gives the longest speech, the longest sermon recorded in Acts. Uh, but then he is, um, he, he, is, uh, he is martyred. He is killed. And so we are reading just a few verses uh, of the story as we finish off with Stephen. And it kind of transitions forward uh, into what happens to the church. So here's Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. And Saul approved of his execution, that is Stephen. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. 
Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. And entering after house, house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. I want to uh, point out uh, three things that I think are for us today. Three things that start with the letter D, but I don't know if they really go. But here we go. Three things uh, that I want us to notice from these four verses. First of all is disasters. And that is disasters do not throw off, thwart, or threaten the plans of God. Disasters do not throw off, thwart, or threaten the plans of God. Up until now, as we, if you follow along the journey in Acts, the disciples, they were uh, beaten, they were imprisoned, uh, but as of yet, none had yet lost their life for their faith and their belief in Jesus. But this is the moment where everything seems to change. And we see that because they all scatter. They, they, they take off. And uh, some commentaries note that if uh, some of these Christians were established in Jerusalem, they would have to leave their possessions behind and, and literally run for their lives. Uh, of course, over these past weeks, we have seen some of those images uh, from Afghanistan. People who are running for their lives, finding any way possible they could to get out of the country. You know, um, in a few weeks, uh, Lawrence and Liz uh, Keen are going to be visiting us, I think October 3rd uh, or 4th, that weekend. They're going to be with us, and uh, it's it's going to be great. If you don't know Lawrence and Liz, uh, you missed out. We actually sent them off last year. Uh, Lawrence is from Quesnel, British Columbia, and he felt a calling to plant a church in Quesnel. And so they've been there for the past year or so. And and if you were there, if you remember, this was one of the few services we had last year, or the, the back half of last year, in person. We had been, of course, been online for so long. And uh, our friends at uh, Forest Brook allowed us to use, you know, their sanctuary and you had to, you know, it, it was a bit new to us, you know, that we had to sign in and RSVP and do these checks and wear masks. But we did our best to, to send them off, to pray them off, to bless them, to give testimony of how good God has been through them. And, and we made that effort and sent them off as missionaries, as church planters, uh, out of city gates and into Quinell. This, what happens here is, is not that, right? This was like, like, like the, the, the execution of Stephen. And they're like, whoa, this is really bad. And then we, we, we meet Saul who's uh, persecuting the church and he's going from house to house and, and people are literally scattered and running for their lives. This was not the plan. But interestingly, uh, it, it was the plan. It was the plan. You see, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples before he ascends. He says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end uh, of the earth. And, and up to this point, we don't know what the plan, how the disciples were going to roll that plan out. We, we don't know how they were going to go get out of Judea and Samaria, Samaria and to the end of the earth. But this event, uh, Stephen's martyrdom, actually does it. It actually, in effect, unplanned to them, but, but 
in, in God's providence and will planned by him scatters the believers out and they begin to actually fulfill what Jesus had instructed them to do. In and through the disaster, they are actually doing what God intended. You know, this year and a half, of course, has been uh, disasters in so many ways. Physically, uh, millions have died uh, or become ill and sick. Others uh, are, are tired and overworked, or maybe it, you're feeling uh, uh, trapped and stuck. You know, there's just so many consequences. Socially, uh, we are more extreme. We are more apart. There seems to be more bickering, uh, more name-calling, a lot less patience and we could go on and on. And maybe even if you think of um, your life in terms of the church and, and your faith, and uh, we've been meeting online for so long, and then now you know we're doing this kind of outdoor thing, or maybe you're still doing the video thing, and, and, and maybe the dis- disciplines uh, of your life have, have kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit. Maybe your faith is waning and lacking as this marathon seems to continue. But I want to remind you, as so much of the Bible reminds us, that that when when disasters happen, when things that uh, we don't expect happen, even even um, the, the the Bible records, you know, the devil, God's enemy, Satan, actually intentionally trying to ruin and destroy things, and even through evil intent of others and yet all of that can be wrapped up into God's purposes. He did so in the early church. He's doing it today in and through the church and we believe he's doing it now in city gates. He's doing it right now in city gates. So here, here's my encouragement to you. Don't worry about a little rain, okay? If you are uh, in one of those tents, it rained on us a little bit last week. Uh, don't worry uh, about disturbing the neighbors too much. Uh, you know, uh, it's opportunity. You know, for those of you who are opening their homes and we're going to these watch parties in backyards, uh, in and through our community groups, even whether you're meeting indoors or outdoors or online or however that is, God is continuing to work despite the fact that this year and a half has seemed disastrous on so many levels. God is still working. We need to trust in that. It was true uh, for this this kind of family history moment in Acts, and it is true today. But I also want to see, secondly, um, that the second D here is it moves from the disciples to the diaspora. Oh, I should have remembered how to say it. The disciples to the diaspora, or diaspora, or how I'm not sure. The, from the disciples to the diaspora, Every believer, a preacher. Every believer, a preacher. As I mentioned before, as if you follow along in this journey in the book of Acts that Luke uh, has written, there's real shift in focus. Starting in chapter 6, there's this um, controversy, con- controversy around um, there are Greek-speaking or Hellenist uh, Jews who've also converted to who follow Jesus and and there's a bit a bit of controversy in the distribution to of food to the widows and the disciples have to sort that out. They appoint other Greek speaking Hellenist uh, leaders, Stephen being one of them, Philip being another, and in in the in Acts the, the narrative actually shifts towards towards them and away from the disciples. 
which is which is a little surprising because the disciples, of course, the twelve or the eleven, and then they added one more because of Judas. Throughout the Gospels, we know that uh, as Jesus is preaching and teaching, there are crowds following him, but he is pouring uh, his life, uh, the teachings and, and the conversations around meals and all these other times into the 12 disciples and, and then into a specific three, you know, uh, Peter, James, and John. Um, Jesus is looking at these disciples and saying, okay, the mission is going to happen now through you. And, and it does, right? Peter gives the first sermon. Of course, Peter, who betrays Jesus, he's restored. Uh, the four Gospels that we do have, the, source, the sources really are from the disciples themselves. So, of course, disciples are very important uh, in the church, in the early church. And yet, uh, Luke here shows us that it doesn't, doesn't stay that way. It wasn't like, oh, we need a sermon, call one of the guys, Right, like Stephen, as I mentioned, gave one of the longest uh, sermons recorded in Acts, and as we'll see, uh, if you read on in chapter eight, it's Philip who, in through two circumstances, uh, ministers in Samaria, and then later ministers to the uh, Ethiopian eunuch, and then actually into chapter nine is where we get reintroduced to Paul or Saul, as we had met him here. It shifts away from the disciples and shows that this is for everyone. This is for everyone who follows Jesus. Um, I'm sorry, this is backwards. <laughs> so, why is this? Why is this? It's a reminder that this, this calling that Jesus has for Christians and believers who have faith in him, it's not an explicitly top-down matter. In fact, it could be some uh, commentaries or make a note that these Greek-speaking Jews, so so what does that mean? Um, these uh, Jews who were, there were at that time Jews scattered throughout the region and uh, partly because of all the uh, upheaval, um, the uh, there was a Babylonian exile years ago and so Jewish uh, Jews were scattered throughout that region and Greek or Hellenism uh, was the language of the day, the culture of the day. Even the Romans adopted that from the influence of, of course, Alexander the Great in the fourth century and, and onward. So they would be speaking Greek and not Hebrew or Aramaic. And so it is actually perhaps that these were the right people to be scattered. And, and maybe a little less so the disciples because they would be speaking the language. They could go perhaps go back to their hometowns uh, instead of remaining in Judea. And, and they were to continue this mission. Although unplanned, these scattered believers uh, were actually sent according to God's plan. This is what uh, Craig Keener says. Um, he says this, because those who are persecuted remain so certain of their message on account of their experience with the Spirit and the Spirit's people. They carry it everywhere they go. They carry it everywhere they go. And it says explicitly, the text says, they preached. They preached. Now just imagine for a moment your name. You know your name, right? Picture it on a business card um, or um, your LinkedIn profile or your email signature, whatever it is, your name comma, don't know what you have after your name, if you have something, comma, preacher. Imagine that, your name, comma, preacher. And there are a few words uh, in the New Testament that are translated preach. 
uh, or proclaim. And this specific one that, um, that Luke uses, it really translates to just telling the good news. Telling the good news. This is what they did. They were scattered and everywhere they went, they told the good news. And in the New Testament, the, the good news often or refers to specifically the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. They went around telling people that. You know, um, last year, uh, you know, as we kind of started through the pandemic, there was um, this YouTube channel called Some Good News, and it was by John Krasinski, who, excuse me, was, uh, he's an actor, you know, he was on The Office, a show called The Office, and um, it was really entertaining. He, he told about all the good news uh, that was happening, even though all of us were stuck in our homes, and, you know, he uh, called in connections, he had reunions, he did all these, you know, fun and amazing and heartwarming things to share good news. And I'm going to tell you, you don't need a production studio. You do not need to wait for the right connections to do this. You, you don't even need to be on screen as I am today and I have lights around me and all of this production stuff. You, you don't need any of that to tell the good news of Jesus from uh, a coworker to a neighbor to a friend. This was done by every believer scattered and I think this is a reminder that this, this is for us as well every believer a preacher and this connects us to our, our third point here because uh destroyed and dismayed I've, I've titled destroyed and dismayed our failures are no match for the grace of god our failures are no match for god's grace woven in these four verses you've noticed that that the name saul was mentioned a few times uh, saul uh, and later, Paul, as we will meet him, he was this young, brilliant, uh, zealous, religious leader. And we know that Luke will actually become friends with Paul. He will journey with him on these, on these mission trips um, as he records much of the rest of, uh, remembers and records the rest of Acts. But he doesn't mince words. When he, when he looks back at this moment, he doesn't mince words, even though Paul would, of course, become a leader uh, and, and a follower of Jesus. He says a few things. He says he was ravaging. He was destroying. He was out to destroy the church. He was ravaging. And this uh, one comment is a strong term that could, uh, could apply to torture, military devastation, or outrages. This was Saul in the moment. He went from house to house, it says, house house, which indicates that perhaps believers were actually already meeting in homes, uh, but also that whatever privacy there was in a home for, for Saul, it was, it was, it was no barrier. He, would, he was going from house to house. And, and he actually even also, it says specifically, it says he, 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 he um, got men and women and we know that it was less common for women to be tried uh, and jailed. Uh, typically, you know, less harsh on women in this sense. But for Saul, he was indiscriminate. He was unmerciful. This was Saul. And this was um, perhaps looking back in his life, not, not a great day to remember. You know, not, not the best time to remember all your failures, all your mistakes, all your energies put forth in the wrong direction. 
And you know, maybe for you, you're like, you know what? I'm not a preacher. And, and to be honest, um, there are some things in my past uh, some, some, some things that like, I, I'm like, I'm like damaged goods. I don't have like uh, a great story to tell. I, I kind of snuck in the club. I don't know how God saved me, but he saved me and I'm here. And uh, I don't have a lot to say. I don't have a lot to offer, but here, here's what I think. Paul reminds us, here's, here's what he reminds us. Your worst day is no match for the plans and purposes of God to redeem it for your good and for the good of others. Like your worst, like I, I, must, I think in Paul's life, this was a not not a great day to remember, and yet your worst day, his worst day, is no match for the plans and purposes of God to redeem and to reset for the His good and for the good of others, because God is in the business of restoration. Before it was cool on Instagram or um, a good business model to take old things and make them new. Uh, God is in this business and he uses the very, by very nature, he uses what was damaged or what was weak for his glory. Um, One of the ways that the Bible reminds us of this truth uh, is this metaphor in jars or jars of clay specifically. And uh, Paul, you know, who was Saul, he picks us up in the second letter we have to the Corinthians, uh, which is which is a fascinating letter because it, it might have been actually the fourth letter he's written, but in it he's really if he feels like he's been on the on the back foot. He's he's defending himself because there have been people in the church of Corinth who are wondering, okay, he's suffered so much. Is this is this really like the apostle that we should be looking to that that you know has been teaching us? Is is he really like? Does he really? have the goods and and so paul is speaking uh, over and over again about weakness and sufficiency in christ and in second corinthians chapter 4 uh, verse 7 to 10 he writes this we now have this light shining in our hearts but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure this makes it clear that our great power is from god not from ourselves We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies." You know, maybe when you think of a jar of clay, you think of like um, an archaeological dig or something, some documentary you've seen, uh, perhaps something like artistic, you know, in a museum. Uh, but really, these were like the most basic containers, uh, the most inexpensive and basic containers there were in the day. It was more like like a cardboard, like our, our, our equivalent, like a cardboard box, like your Amazon Prime box, which you, you know, either recycle or do whatever with or you know that plastic bin you have in your basement this this was the equivalent of this idea of a, a, a jar of clay it was um, the very common place and and what Paul is saying we are something like a cardboard box we are something uh, we, we we can feel uh, crushed sometimes We've, we're all scarred up our the very purpose of a cardboard box right is is really, to function as placing something in it. We don't 
have cardboard boxes on our mantles and shelves and showcase. We don't showcase. What matters is actually what is inside and, 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 and how precious or uh, how important that box is. What really matters is the contents inside. And this is, this is, this is um, the message uh, for us today that, that, that Paul is encouraging us that as we go, and maybe you think, man, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Actually, in and through us, because we carry with us God's message of grace and hope and love that actually through us, even though we might be cracked and ripped and destroyed and we've tumbled down the road, that God can still use us. God can speak through us. And um, this is how Andrew Wilson, he writes uh, in this book where uh, it's called God of All Things and he, he reflects on these different elements uh, and metaphors that we find in the Bible. He says this about uh, jars of clay. He says this, The treasure we carry is indestructible, powerful, eternal, and glorious. But the vessels in which we carry it are all too fragile. It's you and me. Recognizing that we are pots may not make us any less likely to smash, but it will make us less surprised when we do and more inclined to trust that God's power will be shown in the process. When we break, He breaks through. May that be so of us. May that be so of city gates. Uh, may that be so as we um, pack up our lawn chairs and pack up the tents and scatter throughout the greater Toronto area. May we carry in us the light and love and good news of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus in our fragile, mortal, broken bodies in speech that is not always like the clearest or the most eloquent, but may we do that with courage, knowing that it is the message itself uh, that is good news and that will shine through.